Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, we put a wrap on the fall portion of the collegiate golf season, which is now on break until February. Recap the week that was, including Lucas Herbert's victory at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Our winners and losers, a nice week for Hunter and I. And let's look ahead to the World Technology Championship at Maya Coba Golf Resort. Plus, we couldn't resist talking a little Michigan, Michigan State. So let's kick off the pod with that. Thanks for listening at theticketnorthernmichigan.com on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, and to our radio listeners, 93.7 FM, The Ticket in Cadillac, and Traverse City, 104.7 FM, 1340 AM, The Ticket in Petoskey and Charlevoix. Let's go. How was your Halloween weekend? It was a big weekend. It was great. Are you asking me this for the actual podcast, or just because you want to know, or because you want to rub in the Michigan State victory? Uh, we are we are, we are, are rolling, so I don't know well, how to answer your question, but we are rolling. No, it doesn't. I'm, <laughs> I don't think anybody cares about this, but Dorothy's real first like trick or treating. Yeah, that's I guess that was uh, that. There's other things besides football, Peter, that we got to think about. Family. I wasn't aware that there was, <laughs> and I know damn well that that's not what you care about, Hunter. You're just here to gloat, which is fine. I mean, is what you should have your, you know, have your fun in the sun. But yeah, that was definitely the highlight. That was really fun. She lasted 20 minutes, probably tore off her costume, which was Baby Yoda. Even though Sarah and I don't like Star Wars, don't care <laughs> how about did it. She, how does she have? Did somebody buy her a, a Baby Yoda? What do you think she's doing while I'm doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, Hunter, but those Star Wars movies take up a lot of time. They do. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, and people loved her costume, and that was fun. It was very short-lived, but that was definitely the highlight of the weekend. I was fortunate not to have to watch The Lions. Though I knew damn well they had no chance in that game. I should have just gone ahead and bet on the Eagles because all I heard were people touting the Lions. Just like I had heard people touting the Lions the week previous when we were going to play Cincinnati, who we found out is beatable and not very good. I was, I was one of those people that, that bet on the Lions money line. And you I mean, were one of those people? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I also had him in a parlay too. So who are you? What are you guys seeing? They needed to win betting one game the lion, betting the lions to cover is like betting somebody in golf at two hundred to one. Well, that's not true, Peter, because they're actually they're above the they are. <laughs> I think they're mathematically they are four and speaking. three against the spread this year. I'm pretty sure three and four. So it's not like okay. it's against money, money line speaking. Yes, yeah, so you could that would probably be even higher odds. Yeah, no, that's true. This got a little out of hand though. Yeah. It felt like this week there was just way too much juice on the Lions. And again, when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reconsider. Words of wisdom. I, I did feel like this was the most um, very similar to you. I, I heard so many people talking about how, how this was going to be the Lions win. And <laughs> which which is just which is just so ironic to say in the same sentence, like to 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 put a W next to the Lions before the game happens. Any game, any season is is probably the wrong way of going about things. So I, I did. Well, why I mean, don't you I, go ahead and talk about your Saturday? Because I know that's what you really came here to do. Uh, I actually had a had a um, part of my French. I had a hell of a Saturday morning, uh, Peter. It was it was not it was not a great Saturday morning. Uh, 
in, in the least a bit. It was. Oh, I thought you were going to say that it was good after you said no, it was a heck of a. No, no uh, hell in a bad way. Um, so I had to. What did I, so I, I woke up, went and, and got Mac real quick because we had soccer in the morning. But I forgot something at home, so we had to run back home before soccer. Soccer's at the Petoskey Fieldhouse, which is right there in Atkins, kind of by Concord School. Going back home, which I live on Atkins, and a deer runs out. I hit the deer. No. To, to start the Saturday morning. This is at like 8.45 in the morning. Soccer starts at 9. Front end? Uh, f- ran into the side of it. So really, I there's... On Saturday morning, I couldn't open my passenger door more than like a foot. I had my I had my dent guy Morgan come come by yesterday to work here at like nine o'clock, and he got the he got the door to be able to open. So I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely uh, out a door and probably a front, um, fair, but very minimal damage. Like that's not it wasn't the end of the world. I was definitely like was Mac in the car. Mac was in the car. I didn't even real didn't realize it was hap- Didn't realize it was happening. Really didn't. It was pretty amazing. He had no idea. Yeah, I mean that's a Subaru for you, Peter. That's a Subaru for you. Just heavy duty. I'm surprised even. I'm surprised he even realized what anything was happening. That's a heavy duty wagon right there. Amen to that. Uh, so that was that was the start of the morning. We had to go directly after that, and I'm just I'm a little shaken up now. And anything now, the last two nights I've been driving. Anytime I've seen like a little fluorescent light on a, on an electrical box driving I'm, I'm, like, I'm like slap. i'm driving like 45 miles an hour down atkins which is a 55 anyways go to soccer soccer's at nine o'clock right from soccer we have to go directly to downtown petoskey for the parade the parade is at was it supposed to be 9 45 it didn't get started till 10 o'clock it's 45 degrees out really not not exactly warm parade starts at 10 trick-or-treating from 10 until 11 30 downtown and then i had to scurry back home for the noon kickoff which at some point here i mean i think if it was it was there was four of us in the house two of us were definitely michigan state backers like very big one of us was a michigan backer and the other one was indifferent until like halfway through the second quarter he ended up betting the michigan michigan state money line at that point so it was it was three on one and and there was like it was like the worst case scenario was looming where Logan, the Michigan better, had Michigan minus four and a half. But if they won, they weren't going to win by that much. Mm-hmm. So all of us were going to be upset. <laughs> it, like it started to look like that more and more. Um, I think at some point, I think we, we, but we all, we all were able to agree, like to to sleep on the fact that like what what <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh has got to go. Something's. Oh, to I don't know. I think that's a complicated question. I mean, I don't think. I don't really know for sure if that's the case or not, but can't keep losing. I don't think this that outcome was nothing about that game was surprising. I mean, I'm happy for football fans in Michigan. Like we talked about, we said last week, I really don't see a case where this is a blowout in either direction. And it really was an instant classic and a, and a great game. And yeah, I mean, Michigan clearly has a monkey on their back now. You can see it in the way that they play with the lead that you just know that lead isn't safe and the way that they execute down the stretch with, you know, key players having really 
bad moments. You know, like we gave ourselves a great chance to win that game and just didn't execute down the stretch. So to a certain extent, that has to fall on the some of the responsibility has to fall to the players, including Cade. Even though he had his best game as a Michigan Wolverine, it certainly didn't have a very good second half. You need to bring some of this optimism that you have for this this Michigan culture in general over to the golf course. I think I think that would benefit you. You seem rather optimistic. Like now, like I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but you don't seem. Is this just the, is this just the 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 like the alternative universe that you've developed for yourself after a Michigan loss? <laughs> No, it's just like the, I'm so used to this, Hunter. (laughs) We have not been good at football my entire adult life (laughs) and quite a while before that. But yeah, no, in terms of my reaction, I'm upset in the moment, but I'm no longer really upset for myself. I'm too used to it. I get, I'm upset for people who care more and players. You're upset for the kids. Yeah. I mean, it's were you at the Michigan Appalachian State game? Yeah. (laughs) Oof. Oof. Yeah. I sat with my mom. (laughs) You guys must have just been been two of the happiest go lucky people ever to walk this side of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of me (laughs) died that day and it's still dead. I don't think it'll ever be awoken but is that our conclude our thoughts on i'm pretty well sick of talking about it okay let's move on let's move on that's enough uh that's enough michigan state michigan talk we'll be, we'll be back in uh january for for basketball i think we got, every, we got everything uh this is for the radio listeners out there um uh have fun watching game seven of the world series because I'm betting the Astros tonight. We're going to get. We're going to seven. I think. Well, I'm going to bet the Astros. I don't know if we're going to go seven, but I'm betting. you're on a bit of a non. You're on a bit of a non-golf heater. <clears throat> Not only that, Peter, I might be on a golf heater. I just, I just hit a fifty percent clip in golf this week. My best. Yeah, clip how about that? That was quite in... a Sunday. Yeah, let's get to the winners and losers. That was quite a Sunday sweat for. One Russell Knox and one Brian Gay with Brian Gay <laughs> finishing the golf tournament in style by making a two, an eagle two on the par four 18th to clinch the top 20. I kept I kept telling picks. myself that he was going to three putt that hole. So even if, if he would have missed that, if he wouldn't have made that, he was going to put it on. They was going to three putt. And I think he was two shots clear of top 20 because I had to look because that would have been a heck of a story to have a hole out plus 350 top 20 but i think he was three clear and then russell same spot was i think he finished right with brian right same same uh yeah same score same number and a nice nice finish to also wrap it up i I just mean to say that it was a sweat that endured all of they went off early on sunday and it was the whole day because we needed good rounds gay came out hot just like he did on saturday and then backed up before closing out strong and Knox um needed some good holes to finish it off so yeah it was nice to hit both of those because really the script that i had for fort royal was not what happened at all no we talked a lot about driving accuracy and 
you know, we just not often this happens, but several of us, obviously myself included on the gambling side, just had that wrong. I mean, Lucas Herbert is, if there's one thing I know about Lucas Herbert's game and it's that he does not hit fairways. So, I mean, I could not have been more wrong. I was scrolling through because I'm looking at the players at the top of the board and I'm thinking Pendrith, he's a bomber ball striker. He's not very, he's like not great with his irons. Herbert kind of the same thing, a little wild off the tee, better with his irons, but it really was not the player type that I thought. Now, thankfully the course history ended up coming through in a lot of ways. And that saved us on those finishing position bets, but like, Mito and Denny were never factors in this uh, event. And without the, sh- you know, strokes gain data, all you can look at is the percentages and the fairways and stuff. But I'll tell you what, those guys that finished up at the top of the leaderboard, uh, we're not hitting a lot of fair. We're not doing it by hitting fairways. And so it's interesting because now we go into my And again, some people out there will tell you, I think there's some, differing opinions on this but again we'll tell you the key to this golf course is driving accuracy because it's like jungle golf where you're surrounded by dense forest and there's like these cliffs and runoffs and uh uh mangroves uh you know where you if you hit it in there you're going to be taking a drop so it's going to be interesting trying to balance that as we move forward but yeah it was a great great sweat down the stretch there for Knox and and gay and that really made this sunday a lot sweeter to be able to hit those it's also nice to have something to divert your attention i couldn't look at twitter for like 36 hours before i could consume the breakdown of the football game so it yeah. was nice to just live in my live on pjtour.com and watch the scoring update the timing of it was awesome too with i'm pretty sure it ended the darn near before the one o'clock games, didn't it? Am I imagining that? I swore I did at like noon. My time. No, they went off. Pretty, they went off pretty early. Was that on? Sure. Was that on weather related, or is that just that? Are they Atlantic time? They're in Atlantic time. Okay. So they're already ahead, and then they were trying to hurry up because they had weather on the way. I think they definitely had moved up the tea times. It was earlier than normal. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy for Herbert. That's a quick win. I don't know much about the guy, but he just got his PJ Tour status. This through Corn Ferry Tour uh, playoffs, I believe, this year. Um, I know he played some on the PJ Tour last year, but I don't believe he was a had full membership. So uh, maybe another one of these Australians look out for. I mean, there's one thing that we know for sure. Australians are used to playing seaside golf, windy conditions. You know, in some respects, we shouldn't be surprised by Herbert breaking through there. It just wasn't uh, by virtue of his he finished driving accuracy. 14th in the uh, Corn Ferry Tour Finals last season. You know, Reed finished second, and I picked up that ticket I texted you. It was Thursday, probably like mid-morning. And if you remember, the golf course was playing so difficult. Reed had come down from 2022 to 18 at that point, but I picked that up anyway because I felt like if this is if this winning score is going to be like twelve ish under, it's really going to hold on, and the golf course is going to play this difficult. I love Reed. 
I love his scrambling ability when everybody's missing fairways and he, despite the form, but it never, it wasn't much of a sweat. Cause even though he, you know, I think he birdied the last two and he kind of charged at the end, it just never felt like that was that ticket was actually going to cash. So did I technically have a ticket on a runner up? Yeah, but it just never felt, I didn't get any of the fun out of it. I can't stand him. You see, did you see he went on a little, his wife went on a little Twitter rant uh, this past week? I saw that there was some news around used golf facts being back in action, which oh, I yeah, love. She, she's back. She's back. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Pepperell brought up something. Remember that, uh, that, that whole incident. With, Eddie loves to stir the pot. He sure does. The whole incident with him, him grounding his club in the, in the bunker. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Reed family spent thousands and thousands of dollars on a forensic investigator to like look at the sand and she came with screenshots of the findings <laughs> and this was at this was at 2:30 in the morning come on on Wednesday Tuesday night I think so so it was like Wednesday morning the day after pretty sure it was day after we recorded actually might have even been that day and so it was the middle of the night crazy she she's she is crazy they're both crazy. I, I've never, I, I, I actively root against Patrick Reed more than I ever did Bryson DeChambeau. It's not even close. I well, yeah. I can't yeah. stand him. You're talking, yeah. yeah. Reed is a different animal. Bryson's a dork. Reed is kind of like, there's some malice there. Yeah. So not, uh, he's definitely, I was, I was very happy to see somebody uh, not named Patrick Reed win but it was i mean it was a testament to his game that he is able to you know it's crazy to see he is always around you can say we want about patrick reed and he's a a loser but he does play well in these very hard he's a grinder he, he grinds thanks a lot for caring about my winning ticket by the way rooting against my wallet oh yeah yeah well i mean you, if you bet patrick reed i don't know what you want me to say and I'll admit, I even I even thought to myself after the game on Saturday, I thought, well, at least Hunter won both of his bets. All three of my, I, I went I went for a live bet too. Emptied the account on a live bet in the wow second. Wow, I'm plus nine and a half. Should have done money line. Clearly. Just do me this one favor: do not bet on Ohio State when Michigan State plays Ohio State. What? I would never. Okay, just making sure. No, no I, I'm not. Uh, I, I'd rather lose money or just not bet yeah. the game. Yeah. I will, okay, bet, I will bet Michigan State. but if That's I, when you know. That's when, yeah. Yeah, good. That means you're still doing it right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so those are the winners. I mentioned the losers, too, with the no outrights this week in the second place for Reed. Anything else from the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, no. You mentioned it, but Danny McCarthy wasn't really close. I think he was like 45th, 46th, something like that. Uh, and then my other top 20 was on <clears throat> Brian Stewart. Uh, he missed the cut on the number, I think, maybe one over. One over the number. But two winning tickets, two winning tickets these days. Those those are Stewart far and, and few between to come by. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a, still a good week. Stewart and Neesmith just crushed me in DraftKings. Yeah. And Stewart like made a play on the cut and he like came back and played pretty well on Friday. And he here we go again at Mayakoba. Like, are we gonna go to the stewards and the gays and the Knoxes 
again? Or are we going to look for the Herberts and those kind of plays? I think it's – do we have stuff to catch up on on the local and college golf stuff? Oh, we do. Yeah. Do you want, do you want to let's do let's do gears? that, and then we'll get, and then we'll go to the we'll go to Mayakoba after that. Well, we did have uh, we do have some some catching up to do from the from the local side and and mostly the uh, collegiate golf side. Uh, there was some some very high finishes for uh, teams in Michigan starting with the Michigan Wolverine girls team they finished actually both uh, Michigan girls and Michigan State uh, girls played in the same event if you guys remember last week uh, the landfall tradition the Wolverines finished runner-up and the Michigan State Spartans finished in third place so overall a um, a very a very good showing from from the very uh, nice Michigan, great Michigan, yep and performance for, the, for both teams who did we who did we uh lose to yeah we lost to we lost to south carolina they shot uh minus 15 849 they kind of they, they kind of smoked the field they won by well two. they should be good they should be good that's that's awesome so we were the fir- first and second of everybody not named south carolina yep yeah and then uh wake forest and virginia rounded out the field so um the wolverines had uh three players in the top 25 individually currently ranked 15th in the um in the country hopefully move up a little bit with this the second place finish and then the michigan state girls had uh two players in the top 20 so some some very solid performances from the michigan and michigan state girls i did find some scores on the the williams cup which was the uh the last event that the Michigan State boys were playing in for the fall season, uh, the boys finished in uh, a T fifth, eight seventy six, which is uh, twelve over. They North Carolina ended up winning this event, kind of smoked the field once again, shooting minus seventeen. Georgia second at minus eight. Vanderbilt third at minus one. Some scores from Michigan State: uh, August Mikoff. Uh, led the team with a uh, 221 plus five, and uh, Bradley Smithson shot uh, 226 plus ten to kind of lead lead the uh, lead the charge for Michigan State. The Michigan boys struggled a little bit. They finished 11th out of 12 teams. I want to say, I will clarify that right now. In their their last event for the fall season, yep, 11 out of 12 teams down at uh, Paradise Island in the Bahamas. Just the last event of the season, Hunter. It is, yes. When's our next tournament? It's the Big Ten Championship. Big Ten Match Play Championship is February 4th and 5th at Palm Coast, the Hammock Beach Resort. I feel like they're just a li- they just haven't had all, f- all four or five guys play well on the same days. Like we've talked about Trey Taylor leading them in scoring. We've talked about Piot leading them in scoring. When now Mykoff's leading them in scoring. They have contributors across their starting lineup they just haven't all played well the same week team has a lot of potential oh it's very encouraging between august and and bradley it's always somebody new it's always a different name leading the team which is which goes to show that they are they're deep so i i have i have high hopes for uh for all all four of the the big teams come up maybe they can put together a little run in the in february and make a 
postseason run. Yeah, you'd like to think. I mean, just a match play event with with James with his record that would it's got to be worth something. Advantage Sparty yeah. right away. Right. Uh, so moving on to the um, Central Michigan women's golf team, they as you, as you guys may remember, they were in the middle of a tournament at the Terrier Intercollegiate down in uh, the Carolina Country Club. They ended up finishing in a T third out of seventeen teams. So uh, there, I want to say it was second their second best fifty four holes total since the program's uh, resurrection in 2014-2015. Overall, this team is obviously a heck of a lot better than um, than what they've been, and they've seen they've seen huge improvements. Seven of the eight players on the roster finished the fall season with a scoring average below seventy nine. Uh, Three individual victories out of the five events came for CMU golfers this year, this fall. So uh, obviously they're they're a force to be reckoned with. And then finally, um, as you guys remember, the East Lake Cup was taking place during a cover our show last week. Remind us what that is exactly. Yes, that is uh, it is four of the of typically the the powerhouse boys teams, four powerhouse girls teams playing. Um, down at the East Lake Golf Club, which is where the, if you guys obviously, the, where the Tour Championship is. Um, they play stroke play, and then it is match play over the last two days, I believe. Um, Oklahoma won for the boys, and Oklahoma State won for the girls. Obviously, you'd like to see Oklahoma continue to play well with, with PJ going there in a couple years. So that's a... That is really all I have for the for the college. I'm pretty sure we are we're just about sealed up for for college now until until February. Well, a decent fall swing for some of those teams. Michigan State boys we talked about obviously, and then some of the girls teams have been really good, including the Michigan girls, Western girls. Yeah, no, I think um, I, I expect expect some some good things, especially from the Michigan girls have been have been kind of sticking around that that top ten, top fifteen ranking all fall. Let's move on to Mayakoba, shall we? We shall. So we go from Bermuda. Port Royal, short course, seaside, to, in many ways, a similar type of track. This is a Greg Norman track. Have you ever played a Greg Norman golf course? I don't think so. If I have, I didn't know I was playing it. Have you? I have. Well, uh, Tiburon is a Greg Norman golf course. So that's the where they do the shark shootout down in Naples. I don't know if that rings a bell. It's a Champions Tour event. Okay. Um. So it, it is. It was different. I actually didn't mind it. So there was no rough at all. It was. It was. It was one of those courses that had. It was. It was all fairway into that Kakuya shell that really finely packed. So there was. I mean, if if your ball missed the fairway, well, then you were. I mean, it rolled. There was nothing that stopped her from going into a native area. So I mean I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was a good golf course. But I mean, yeah, Greg Norman is Greg Norman's out there trying to to slay this to slay the game of golf. <laughs> Isn't his name behind this whole champ like this whole championship this new golf tour they're doing? Is it uh, the, I thought it was. 
So this okay, is from a news clipping from, from November 18th, 1994. Now the shootout begins. Golf upstart world tour to take on PGA. Norman says response has been overwhelming. So that was from November 18th, 1994. And then this is from Bob Herrick wrote an article uh, four days ago. Golf legend Greg Norman set to run competing tour that hopes begin play in 2022. So what's he up to? What's Greg up to? It's up to no good. He's always cooking up something fishy. So why are we, why are we playing his his golf course then? Well, that's part of the reason why it's part of the conversation. We've been playing here forever. And there's a, we have a lot of course history. Here, let me take you through real quick. These are the... Uh, I'm going to give you past winners all the way back to 2007. How's that? Whoa. Okay. Because I think you'll notice something. I'm, I'm sure that's all relative. Maybe Fred there's... Funk. Brian Gay, 2008. Still kicking. Mark Wilson. Cameron Beckman. Johnson Wagner. John Hutt, 2012. Harris English, 2013. Charlie Hoffman. Does Charlie Hoffman season peak this week at Mayakoba? Graham McDowell played decent last week, one and two. 2015 pat perez won here in 2016 also played well last year pat and kazire won in 2017 kutcher 2018 uh todd 2019 victor hovland 2020 what can you say about all those players with the possible exception of pat and kazire that's what i was gonna say pat did seem like <laughs> pat that's uh they call that an outlier poor Patton. yeah <laughs> Uh, I, w- I would say it seems what like they should call Patton is a winner. Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt he if he won. He'd wins golf tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely seems um, like they, those guys sure seem to hit the ball pretty straight. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that's really common thread there is that these guys hit it in the fairway off the tee, varying skill level into the green and around the green. But most hit fairways and most are good putters. Brian Gay, very straight, great putter. Same for John Ha, same for Johnson Wagner, Hoffman, a streaky putter. The thing that's interesting, just get into it as we go to the correlating stats. I mean, greens and reg, par five scoring, uh, those things are going to matter because we're going to get to about 20 under. And the cut line is usually between, has been between even and three under here over the past seven years. So, you know, you had to make birdies. And in order to make birdies, you have to be on the green. You have to take advantage of the three par fives. But there are lots of forced layoff, layups. And like you said about Tiburon, this golf course is not about the rough. The rough is short and friendly, whatever it there is. It's about the hazards. So you're playing a little bit through the jungle, a little bit through the, you know, kind of mangroves, if you will, and then a little bit exposed along the ocean. So wind isn't quite a biggest factor here as it was at Port Royal. but it's, you know, I'm hearing some people, there's some differing opinions here, but I'm hearing some people say, well, this is a first shot golf course, which to me is just, you can't call a golf course with forced layups, a first shot golf course is, you know, we're going to hit more fairways here than we do at other courses because the fairways are wider and everyone's hitting a shorter club. Yet you look at the type of winners, the type of players that have succeeded here, and it is largely plotters, straight hitters. Um, and I'm probably gonna, you know, I'll just lean to a straighter driver if it comes to that when I'm filling out a DraftKings lineup or whatever. I'm probably gonna play 
form and guys who have good history here. We have long history. And I think if you can line up the history and form, there's enough of a player pool there to create lineups and create a betting card because I don't want to get stuck over profiling like I did last week when Herbert comes out and is a guy that I literally just breezed past because he wasn't great off the tee. And that was a mistake. So really I'm asking myself more this week, can this guy get to 20 under? Can he win in this field? Has he shown any comfort, any success on this golf course? Is he at a good value? With that, I think we should go over to the to the odds board here, and I'll pull it up because there are some. I don't know if you felt the same, but the first scroll through was like, "Whoa, this is really." You got seven of the top 20, 12 of the top 31, 32 players in the official world golf rankings here. So it's a stronger field than normal. But the odds board is not like chalky in terms of just the best players being at the top. So before I go through it player by player, what's, was there anything that really stood out to you? Uh, yeah, one second. This this, this 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 is breaking my brain. Is this is this the WGC event where you can drive the par four first hole? Or is, it, is that a different Mexico event? That's different. WGC Mexico, WGC Mexico is not the same as the, the technology, World yeah. Technology Championships. Worldwide. World, worldwide Technology Championship. What did I say? World Technology. Let me take that again. It's the Prestige Worldwide <laughs> Technology Championships Mayakoba Classic. Okay. Well, then I don't have much to say. Why did I just add the word championships? Well, it is championship. I don't know why you keep. <laughs> it is it should be world, a classic by now. We've been doing it for 20 some years. I just gave you Fred Funk as a past winner of this event. Maybe him and maybe him and his. But did you see? By the way, Olin Brown almost made the cut. Yeah, we. I mean, we were almost in a tough spot there. We were talking a lot of trash about Olin Brown for him to, to him to make the cut. I told you he picks. had the right profile. <laughs> I told you twenty years ago, yeah, I would have bet him for a top twenty. Yeah, well. Maybe are. even 15, maybe even five. And he's showing a little spring in his step there. Way to go, Olin. I think he shot the same score Brian Stewart did, who yeah, I was heavily invested in. Yeah, which is just goes, goes to show what we know. Yeah, so I guess I don't really have anything to say about the Mayakoba now that I don't know. <laughs> now I don't know what it is. Yes, thank you for just divulging that you know absolutely nothing about this golf course at this tournament. Nope. Speaking of WGC Mexico, Justin Thomas is at the top of the odds board here. He's just, I've seen 12, I've seen 11. I'm looking right now, this particular board, Bet Rivers is, in Illinois is 14 to one. There's some big time players in this field. The second on the odds board is Abraham Answer. 16 to one. Despite that, I believe he is going to be extremely popular. Has played well here in his home country. And if you are looking at that player type and you want a plotter and you got to want a guy who's really straight off the tee, check, 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 Abraham answer. Um, he's priced the same as the defending champ, Victor Hovland. Again, those guys are 16 to one. I think it's really interesting with Terrell Hatton back up into the 20s at 22. Billy Horschel, who won not too long ago over in Europe and has great history here, 22 to one. Tony Finau, 25. Aaron Wise. All the way up to 33 to 1. He was second to Victor Hovland this year. He's very highly priced in DraftKings. Again, despite that, like 
um, Abraham answer. I expect Aaron Wise to be highly on this week. And then can you believe the next name I'm about to read priced at the same exact price this week's Patrick Reed, even though Patrick Reed is also in this event, and priced at the same number. Brooks Kepka comes in at 33 to 1. Yes, behind the following list of players that I just mentioned. Abe Answer, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Billy Horschel, Tony Finau, and Aaron Wise. Excuse me, it's the same price as, as Aaron Wise, but some books have him behind. So if you're p- purely playing the value, there's a name that's screaming at you. He's priced alongside Fitzpatrick at 33, Scheffler at 33, Sergio at 33, Tringali at 33, and Patrick Reed. Keegan Bradley snuck all the way up to 33 to 1. Our guy, again, if you're playing a plotters, straight, fairways and greens, player type. You know, there's another guy to get into your lineups this week, Keegan Bradley. At 40 to 1, a long list, Matthew Wolf, Russell Henley, who's popular, Shane Lowry, Taylor Gooch, who grades out well on a lot of models for people this week. Will Zalatoris is starting to drift a little bit. Neiman is 40. I believe he's going to be popular, and he may even have been bet down from where he opened. Mito is 45, along with Maverick McNeely. And then at 50, and I'll stop talking, Streelman, Gary Woodland, Ian Poulter, Ricky Fowler, 50 to 1. So that kind of completes the the top-ish of your your board there. Other notables, Grillo is 61, 60 to 1. He's a guy I really like this week. Rose is 60 to 1. Joel Damon is being bet down like crazy. He's down to 66. I saw some numbers opening in the mid-100s. He has some good history. Patrick Rogers, who has good history and played well last week, is 66 to 1. Charlie Hoffman, a former winner, we mentioned is 66 to 1. Carlos Ortiz, the forgotten Mexican, if you will, because of Abraham answering all the attention that he's going to get this week. Really like him. He's at 66 to 1 on this particular board. Um, And Harold Varner, who's another guy who I think is going to get some interest uh, this week, is also 66. 66 to one. Yeah. He's one of my favorite players on tour. And I do think he's close to breaking through Harold Varner. The fourth, I assume is at home doing well. He graded out when I did a model that was just really irons and putting. He was first in the model. And I was like, Oh shoot. What am I just going to do with this information? Now? Sarah's like, Sarah's like, what are you doing? You're like I'm doing my models. I'm doing, I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you've been doing it for the last eight hours. <laughs> I'm almost there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, fantasy nationals, good stuff, man. You can get lost in there. So I need like screen time numbers on your fantasy. How much time you spend? It's typing. No, I do that on my different scenarios. No, I do that on my laptop. It is too complicated. If I did that on my phone, my screen time would be. (laughs) How long are you awake? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's your winner right there, Pat, Pat Gazire, 100 to 1. Is that what you like? No, that's what you said you liked, 100 to 1. You said he was a winner. Yeah, no, I, he is technically a winner. He wins golf tournaments. He just yeah, won, he has won, won this tournament four years ago. He won last year. But no, I'm not. I think that he must have been scorching high with his putter that week. That's what I mean, though, about these longer. Like, Patton hits it pretty good. He's a big, tall, strong guy. Hits it pretty far. He's just not going to hit his driver at Mayakoba. It's 7,000 yard golf course, par 71. He's going to hit his driver on the par fives and anywhere where there's a ton of room. The rest of the time, he can hit whatever club he wants. So that's why, to me, it's really 
yes, accuracy is important, but there's going to be different clubs being used by these guys of varying lengths off the tee. And so I think it just makes it trickier to figure out who's going to be straight off the tee in this particular event. Sometimes it's easier to be shorter because you don't have to change clubs as much. And maybe that's part of the reason why some of the shorter hitters play well here. But ultimately, you got to get to 20 under. There's three par fives out here and you can't make doubles. So you can't hit it into the hazards. You can do that through, you can see that coming to fruition for certain players through history, but others through form, younger guys who haven't played here or, you know, whatever the case may be. I think there's value all over the place this week in both the outright and the finishing position markets. I mean, you're seeing some, I didn't read them out, but Denny McCarthy, I bet at 45 to one last week, he's 125 to one this week. He's $6,200 on DraftKings. That's crazy. Keith Mitchell, we were just watching Keith Mitchell contend. He was ahead by how many strokes after two days? Not enough. He was 18 under. He's 125 to one. I know he's not the player type that has won here, but I know he can hit a lot of fairways with his three iron and he can make a lot of birdies. I will say, and then I'll conclude and we can move on to some of our picks and the players that we like. This is past Palum Grass. It's grainless. Some guys get on these greens that are, you know, great putters like we talked about that, like a Perez or a Brian Gay or a Brennan Todd, obviously, who just feel like putting is even easier than normal. Putts are straighter, easier to read, and they just feel like they're going to make everything. So in some respects, you could say that this past Palum advantages better putters. However, I think it's good for team no putt, too. Victor Hovland won here last year. Not a great putter. When a not so great putter gets a lot of straightish putts over the course of a week, and they're really good with their ball striking and they create a lot of opportunities to make birdie, that's the kind of player that may pop this week and, and, and flourish and be able to you know shoot a couple of rounds in the mid-60s and get into contention on, on Sunday. So have you made any bets this week? Uh, I just made one. I saw Willie Max playing, so I just bet him to top 20. Probably not going to hit, but, well, I shouldn't say that. It's going to hit, but it's 33 to 1 to top 20. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have taken until now for us to mention him. Coming off his APGA uh, Player of the Year and two, I believe, two made cuts in a row. I know he made a couple cuts last year. I don't know if it's in a row. He may have missed some after that, but. Yeah, um, no, it was. there was two or two in a three-week stretch or two in a four-week stretch, something like that. So he, he definitely shows some some really good form. And then you mentioned um, his some, his success in the, the tour in Florida. But, um, yeah, so I, I think it's hopefully you'll continue to see. He didn't have uh, a great final day on the second second round of qualifying school for Corn Ferry, but I still expect him to to get a few sponsor exemptions here and there and and – play his way into tournaments when he can yeah get a top 10 and you're automatically in the next week so well there we go that's one way to one way to do it take advantage of these exemptions so yeah, it'll be exciting it's exciting to have him in the field and to be able to uh to be able to follow him this week to whatever extent we can obviously because it's my coben once again we're without strokes gained and a lot of the you know shot trackers so so that's it you're just one and done just willie mack this is a golf oh, oh i don't think so by the way um, I can't imagine. No, I don't think I will. I won't have a very 
heavy board this week. Um, that Victor Hovland, I mean, I'm just a Victor Hovland guy, but I don't see him. Everything that you just said, I don't, I don't imagine you're going to be wrong two weeks in a row as far as the the style of play it takes to win here. So I'm, I'm backing you. So I don't really think Victor Hovland makes a lot of sense here. Obviously, he did last year. He won. But he does hit the ball very straight off the tee. And you mentioned having if the greens are easier. He's just a premium. He's just a premium version of the kind of player that wins here. I would say he's just a little bit better. Yeah, guy's an incredible ball striker, so he can win on bigger. Like you could see him winning a U.S. Open, where you can't really see Brendan Todd winning a U.S. Open. But Hovland's not that long off the tee. Just think he's. You don't usually see. He was the best player in the field last year, probably. One of the three best players in the field. He's still one of the 10 best players in the field this week. Maybe even you can make the argument. He might be one of the best five, but you don't often see those guys win the same tournament two years in a row. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very rare. Like ah. he's coming, he's defending. How much does he care about winning Mayakoba this year as compared to last year? Probably not quite as much. Will he get hot and get it rolling and have a chance? And then all of a sudden his mind changes about it. Sure. There's a possibility of that, but I think the value is farther down the board this week myself. Yeah, like I um for example, I think I'm ready to I think I'm ready to hop on the Taylor Goods train. He has had a, uh, a great 21 22 season so far. He's T4, T4, T11, T5, um 54th in the golf in the world golf rankings, obviously moving in the right direction. He's uh he's plus 140 to top 20. He was at that 33 number, I think. Peter, is that right for outright? He, yeah, really short for him, uh, forty to one, 40 to just one. behind like Reed and Brooks and those guys, but still within reason. Yeah, form's good. I mean, hard to argue those uh, those finish positions he has had. Um, so. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring up Gooch. Comes out really nice in the model. If you think irons and like you, let's just put it this way: opportunities gained. If you like that kind of a player this week, like I could see you putting Gooch in a lineup with like Brooks, Keith, guys who are like really good ball strikers, and you're not super, super like gonna over profile the, you know, the short and steady type of hitter like we did last week. There's really only two guys I think that I know for sure I wanna play. The numbers, have really come down. It's just like I've really learned my lesson the last few weeks that I got to be ready by Monday morning because when these lines come out, they're getting hammered. Like it's the Mayakova. It's like how are lines moving by 50 and 60 points on individual players? But one of the guys that I was like hot to trot over is Joel Damon. You won at Corrales last year. He's had good success here, better than his price. Good field, but not so good that you can't see him winning. And does could he have more, a little more motivation to win here than others? I think you could make that argument. He was he opened well over a hundred. I should have clicked it then because I'm sure as hell I'm not going to click on it at sixty six. That's crazy. That's what his number was. His number was 45 when we hit him at Corrales. That was basically a corn fairy event. I don't know. I, I like him this week, but that might be a top 20 play. And I mentioned Ortiz. I love Ortiz. 
Ortiz is great with his irons up and down his bag. He's very straight. He's a platter. He should benefit from having from putting on past Palum. He's not a great putter. A lot of straight, slowish putts should help Carlos Ortiz. And he's played well here before, so I can kind of ignore putting stats. Guy's great with his irons in his home country. You know, is he going to be more popular than he might be other weeks? Sure, but he's this is a guy that was in the played almost to the last leg of the playoffs last year, second to last leg, I think. And he's opened at 80 in this field. He's set between 70 and 80. He's down to 66 now, but I still think 66 is really fair. um, So that I'm taking some serious consideration in, and I'll also probably almost certainly bet him to top 20. And then the other guy who I shudder to think about betting finishing position, but who I really like in the outright market this week is Emiliano Grillo. What is he? uh, What's he at? He's right around that same area, 60. Again, another guy that's getting clicked. He's getting some love in the gambling community. Played really well here last year and then backed up on the last day. Did not play well. Um, Known for his ball striking and being a not-so-good putter. And ball striking meaning very straight, very consistent. You know, he sort of has a similar game type to Keegan Bradley. These guys are really elite if you never have to putt. So again, he's playing on a golf course where he has had success. So I am I am willing to take the leap that he could perform above average with his putter this week on these greens because he's familiar with them. So I really like Emiliano Grillo. I don't know if I'll get all the way to the finishing position on him because of the up and down nature and unpredictability uh, of his game. But I loved it at 80. I'm probably still in at 60 or I'll shop it and see if I can get a better number. But, you know, those are two guys that I that I really, really like. And then a little bit longer shots. I got to make a decision about Adam Shank. He's all the way down to 100. Can't bet him every week. I got to make a decision about Mito. Seen him between 45 and 65. If I can get a 65, I could maybe think about getting back in on that. Again, it doesn't seem like the perfect course for him. And now we've got a better field, but the number is really reasonable. So it's possible I come down on one of those guys. And then I'm going to bet Adam Long to top 40 at least, maybe top 30. The guy is a horse for course here. Great putter, very straight off the tee. So I think he's a great bet to make the cut, have a decent week, maybe pop. 100 to 1 is probably a little short, but he's good on these short courses. I know he's a bigger guy, but his, this is more his jam is these, uh, these uh, shorter courses, and he's had two great finishes here the last two years. So uh, on the topic of course history, um fantasy golf pod tweeted this out i'll give this give this to you guys um most strokes gained last five years kind of a big sample perez is first love him in draft kings this week grillo is second we've talked about him charles howell the third plays really well here might be a good finishing position bet i also like him in draft kings russell knox season continues this week if you want to get back on that for finishing positions he's gained 30 strokes here over the last five years. Tied 23rd, tied 33rd, missed cut, tied 9th and 3rd the last two editions. And then there's Abraham Answer. But keep in mind, Abraham Answer two years ago 
did not play and last year missed the cut here. I also think that his ball striking is a little off right now. He played um, won a tournament in the playoffs and then did not play well after that. So I will not be on answer in DraftKings or in the outright or finishing position markets. I'm going to let, I'm going to just fade the chalk there. And then the others he mentioned on here, Horschel, we talked about Bryce Garnett could be a, is a seaside specialist. He could be a DraftKings place $6,500. There's Ortiz showing up. There's Long showing up. Danny Lee shows up here. Scott Piercy, Brendan Todd, of course, and then Joel Damon. So, you know, I'm in on Damon in some capacity. I'm in on, you know, Ortiz, probably in on Grillo. Um, I'll be in on Adam Long for finishing position. And, you know, I like Denny McCarthy in DraftKings. I like Garnett in DraftKings. I like Perez in DraftKings. Uh, my key is figuring out the top because I don't really want to run out and play Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka. So it's hard to figure out who to play at the top in DraftKings. But I like the long shots this week. I think it's a good week for long shots. Birdie Fest, not a lot of drivers. This is going to be, this is an, a sort of a level playing field here, regardless of the kind of kind of player that you are. So that lends itself to a guy with higher odds coming through. I think you got yourself up against the wall a little bit with Adam Shank. I'm not sure how you're going to get out, out of that one. You're kind of just stuck. You're stuck now I say donating, but if sure, I kind of feel like it every week until he wins, then you're going to be on the right side of that win. I'm trapped. You are. I'm trapped. It sure seems like it. I mean, I, this seems like a tough spot you're in. You're, I, don't, I, don't, I just I don't need really him to play. I just need him to, if he can just play poorly one time, have a bad week, dude. He's having, so that I can, we can quit each other for a little while. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, he's not playing well enough. He's not playing bad enough. He's just he's just consistently sitting there, just waiting to pounce, and you and you won't dare miss it, especially after you almost missed it uh, a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh! Took my breath away. Yeah, probably probably lost some sleep over that. I bet. I really I got to make some rules for myself about when I look at the leaderboards on Thursday. I think I need to wait until I have lunch at least. Because they're, they're, I think the last, especially in the false, the false series uh, season has been pretty ridiculous. But you texted me before I even realized that's Thursday. Yeah. More, yeah. More times. Well, I have a problem. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't even know what day it is. And Thursday morning is like who Christmas. The, who the, lead, every who the week. leader is? It's like Christmas. Like, it's I can't a, wait. I can't impressive. sleep on Wednesdays. I'm just like, I'm so excited. The golf tournament, the golf tournament, the golf tournament. And then. The golf tournament's on for like 45 minutes, and I'm like, this sucks. I hate it. Everything's terrible. I hate golf. So I built up this Thursday morning for my week, and then I realize every week again that, well, it's not as great as you make it out to be, Peter. It's just the Mayakoba Classic, the Prestige Worldwide Technology Championships. Championship. There's just one of them. And there's no chipping and putting contest here, no part three contest. Not them aware of. So it's a, really a, just a terrible routine psychologically <laughs> for me. But thanks for logging me into this podcast for another year because that just means I'm going to keep riding the wave. Yep. Well, hopefully the weather's not as gnarly down there. I mean, this is really, I'd be into some serious sad boy season right now if, if Michigan State would have lost on Saturday and then I woke up this morning and there was snow on the ground. There was. If, if, if Michigan State would have lost, I would have been real down bad. Still not doing great. Snow on the ground golf, means golf no over. golf. Golf season's over. You gonna get on Taylor Gooch forty to one? You're hot. You're hot. I am hitting at an I'm hitting at an outrageous rate right now. Fifty percent for me. That is 
incredible. I mean, that is a, you know, I find it interesting that this happened immediately following your retirement. I, I, I do think the, the gambling gods are a, are a fickle creature where just when they want you to, they will decide. Oh, they're just luring you back into the trap. Oh, hundred percent. Not even close. Not even close. I had one of my best weekends like of the season. And and then and then this happened. It just it is it's so perfectly timed. It, it, it's there's no explanation. I don't think. I haven't, I haven't thought of one. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Talk to you again next week. Let's get some winners. I want winners. Here we go. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. We'll be back again next week to recap the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayacoba in Riviera Maya, Mexico. Hopefully have some winners and some cashing tickets to discuss on the pod next week. We'll also look ahead to the Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Houston Open at Memorial Park Golf Course as the tour returns stateside to Houston, Texas. However you listen, Hunter and I really appreciate it. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and theticketnorthernmichigan.com. I would encourage you to catch up on all our old episodes there. We're also available on local radio. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, 104.7 FM, 1340 AM, The Ticket in Petoskey and Charlevoix, 93.7 FM, The Ticket in Cadillac and Traverse City. To close it out, our quick picks from today's episode, Hunter is on Taylor Gooch this weekend for the Worldwide Technology Championships at Mayakoba. He's 40-1. to 1. I am on Carlos Ortiz and Emiliano Grillo, both over 60-1. to 1. I like Ortiz, Damon, Long, Knox, CH3, for finishing position and DraftKings. Thanks for listening. See you again next week. And let's close it out with a little Yaz flute. I do think we should actually be very impressed with how good our sound is. Um, the, um, the, um, the... Pre 8 a.m. Tootsie Roll. Yeah. I need something in my stomach. <laughs> 8 a.m. is nothing around here, dude. <laughs> 8 a.m. is almost lunchtime. And I had. So- what a sucker taking Super Bowl futures. What You must have paid like 9 to 1 on that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, less than that. It was 7.5 to 1. <laughs> Since 2011, 10 years. Okay, so roughly, well, we don't have to, we can exclude playoff games for the sake of for the sake of this argument. Uh, so it's like 160 games, roughly. I would say that they have won no more than 10 games without Matthew. Maybe no five games, even. I'll even be five games. Since 2011. The Detroit Lions are 74, 90, and 1 with Matthew Stafford. They are 0 and 16 without him. <laughs>